Daniel chapter number 3. I want to start at verse 19. We're going to read through verse 28. The Bible says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he spoke and he commanded that they heat the furnace seven times hotter than it usually was heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. These men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the fire was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished as he rose in haste and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. But look, he said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and he spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire and their satraps and administrators, the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor their garments were affected and the smell of fire was not even upon them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying blessed be the God of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and they have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except for their own God Lord we thank you for your word today I pray that faith would arise and be stirred in our hearts as we listen to your your timeless truth I pray in the name of Jesus that you give us a heart to hear and a in a heart to receive every single thing today that you want to share with us from this story. God, I give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. Well, uh, as I mentioned, I'm glad to uh, be here this morning. I'm excited about this message. Um, I am stirred whenever I read the testimonies of the patriarchs of our faith. Because as we have been saying uh, over and over again uh, over the last couple weeks, that if God did it for one person, then he can do it for you. He's not a respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, if God is, can move mountains then, then he can move mountains now. If he can shut the mouth of lions then, he can shut the mouth of lions now. Come on. If we, he did it in time, he can do it in our day and so we've been studying over these various aspects of testimony we looked at the woman at the well last week we looked at Joseph and his life with Joseph and his brothers but this week we're going to be looking at Daniel and his three friends as they found themselves exiled into Babylonian captivity and they find that the God of Israel even though that they were taken out of their land into a strange place God's presence and his power never forsook them uh, this morning, from the midst of the fiery furnace, the title of my message this morning is simply, There's Another in the Fire. There's Another in the Fire. 
I, I like music. I'm a music person. Uh, contrary to what some people may think, I, I like a lot of different styles of music. I, I like anything from old black gospel to, to, uh, to contemporary music. I like several things. I like some uh, contemporary classic. Um, just about anything but bluegrass. Please don't throw a rock at me. Uh, uh, anyway, but uh, I like a lot of different kinds of music. But one of the groups that I really like because I love their testimony, I love their character, I love their passion, is the Crab family. I love Jason Crab and his solo uh, things. I love Amanda Crab and her solo projects. But the Crab family have some amazing music. Uh, Gerald Crab, the father, was a Church of God preacher, uh, ended up backsliding, uh, falling away from Christ, and ended up coming back to the Lord uh, there towards the, uh, the, the end. And a lot of the great music that they wrote were birthed out of that story. But uh, in the middle of one of the songs that they wrote, it's called Through the Fire. Has anybody ever heard that song before? Through the Fire. And I love what they say in that song. There's a line, a phrase there, and here's what it says. It says, he never promised that the cross would not get heavy and that the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered victories without fighting but he said that help will always come in time i want you to know something this morning church that the christian life is not for the faint of heart it is not filled with rose petals rainbows and unicorns uh, in fact i want to let you know this morning that when you're serving jesus we are coming contrary to the world that's around us uh, we live in a world that, that, it, that the Bible says in, in these last days they will call right wrong and wrong right. People don't know up from down, left from right if they're a female or if they're a male. Come on. We're living in a crazy mixed up kind of world. And the Bible tells us that if they hated Jesus, they will hate us. And folks, let me tell you something. It has never been about a popularity contest when it's come to serving God. I'm telling you, if we are doing what Jesus tells us to do, if we're holding up the standards of God, if we're doing our best to reach the lost and to preach conviction and to save people from a fiery inferno that the Bible calls the lake of fire, if we're doing everything that is within our power, the Bible says that the world will hate us because our message is counterculture. I was reading the book of James this week, James chapter 4. James is a great book, by the way, if you've never went through and studied it. But I love what James chapter 4, verse 4 says. It may be on the screen, it may not. You don't have to turn there, but here's what James says. He says, you adulterers and you adulteresses. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whenever you are, are, are a part of the world system, and you are going the ways of the world. The Bible says that you are at enmity or you are at, at a dissension with the kingdom of God. But likewise, when you're a friend of God, you're an enemy of the world. Folks, I think that you and I have to get back to the old-fashioned realization that this world is not our home. We are just passing through. We have but a short few days on this earth to make it count for Jesus Christ and it's not always going to be easy. He never promised that the cross that he had to carry would be easy. We all know that Jesus had to carry his cross 
up Golgotha's hill. Every cross, every, every step as he carried that cross, there were, there were mockings, there were scourgings, there were um, blasphemies. They maligned him, they hit him, they beat him. He felt every single weight of that cross as it went up to Golgotha's hill. And let me tell you something, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says this, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your own cross, and follow me. I want you to know something, salvation is free, but it is not cheap. It is free, but it is not cheap. It cost Jesus everything for you and I to be saved. That's a reality that we have to wrestle with and we have to realize. But I love the song, Through the Fire, as I mentioned a moment ago, because Gerald Crabb penned that and he said he never promised that the cross would not get heavy. Is there anybody in this room today, you would say, Pastor, there have been times in my life that I felt like the cross was heavy, the call was heavy, the burden was heavy. And uh, I know that there's some people today that won't admit that, but I'm telling you, Paul admitted it. Peter admitted it, the disciples admitted it, and Jesus even said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. There are times where the cross gets heavy, but I'm glad to know that in the middle of our burden, in the middle of our difficulty, in the middle of the time, we are never forsaken. The Bible says he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, he will stay with us even until the very end. I'm excited about that. The truth is we're all going to have trials and tests. Life's going to come. Scripture says that it rains on the just and on the unjust. Good things happen to bad people. How many of you know that's frustrating? When you're living for God, you're paying your tithe, you're coming to church, you're raising your kids right and it seems like everything is falling apart. Then you look at somebody else, and they don't love God, they don't come to church, they hustle, they lie on their taxes, and it seems like everything is going right. Well, I'm telling you, sometimes good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. But I want you to know, he's the God, the same God of the mountain, as he is the God in the valley. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He will always bring you through. We've got to realize he'll always bring us through. But if we're honest, when we go through the fiery furnaces of life, the afflictions, the hardships, the troubles that come our way, a lot of us, if we're being 100% honest tonight, we're praying, God, just get me out of this. Just get me out of it. And I thank God that sometimes he does answer those prayers. Sometimes God takes us right out of the middle of the difficulty. But there's sometimes in our life, according to Scripture, God doesn't deliver us from the fire. He doesn't. And that's even frustrating because you see some people that they, it seem like they skip the fire. God, I don't know your system of selection here, but it just didn't seem fair. But I want you to know, child of God, this morning, sometimes God doesn't deliver us from the fire, but rather he delivers us through the fire. Because by going through the fire, we prove God's character 
in the middle of our lives. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about these four men that Daniel chapter 3 and 4 center around. It's, it's Daniel and then it's Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These men are, are, are uh, men who are of utmost character. They were the cream of the crop. These men were selected among their peers as being the top shelf. They, they had the highest scores, if you were to look at it in, in, in a realm like that. And so they were taken into Babylonian captivity. These Hebrews. They served God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was their God. They spoke the Hebrew language. They knew the law. They kept the Sabbath. They, they honored they did everything that the law told them to do. All of the insight, all of the revelation that they had in the Old Testament concerning God and His way, they kept it. But now these four young men are taken, placed into Babylonian captivity. Babylon is not like Israel. In fact, it's the polar opposite. Israel, although there were people in Israel who didn't worship Jehovah God, there, it was a, 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 a God-fearing nation, if you want to put it like that. Then they're taken to Babylon. You know, if you read the Bible, you start learning about Babylon, there's nothing good said about Babylon in the Scripture. Nothing good. It is a place of, of absolute paganism. They don't worship God. They don't worship His ways. They have their own idols that they have made out of their own hands. Their rulers have exalted themselves to places of influence and, and demanding of worship. And it is contrary to the things of God. So here we have these four young men, cream of the crop, placed here. And if you begin to read back in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 2, what you find out, is that upon arriving in Babylon, there's a couple things that happen. First of all, the king says, we need to change their name. We want to give them a Babylonian name. Because uh, whenever somebody calls their name, we don't want them to be reminded of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because Daniel was a Hebrew name. Hananiah was a Hebrew name. Mishael was a Hebrew name. Uh, and Azariah was a Hebrew name. So he changed their name. He said, Daniel, from now on, you're going to be called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, you're going to be called Shadrach. The other one's going to call Meshach. And then you, you're going to be called Abednego. So they took them in and they in, in, endeavored to dress them in Babylonian clothes. And then they got them to learn the language of Babylon. You've got to understand that the enemy's plan in getting Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel uh, into Babylonian captivity and changing everything about them is because he wanted to acclimate them from God's kingdom to the kingdom of the world. He wanted them to be so comfortable living in Babylon that they no longer looked like who they were supposed to be but rather they look like the world around them. The problem, though, was that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah 
loved the God of Israel. They were committed to God. They were committed to his law. They were committed to his ways. As they were situated, the king comes in and he says, well, if you're going to live in Babylon and dress like Babylon and talk like Babylon, you might as well eat the way that Babylonians do. And the king was putting all of this dainty food in front of the Hebrew boys. It was the best of the best. I imagine it was the finest of cheese, the finest of wines. It was the finest of cuts of meat and all of those things. But Daniel, being smart as he was, recognized that this was a way to try to get him to begin the lowering of his standards. So the Bible says that Daniel determined not to be defiled by the king's fine food. And so he asked, can we get an exception? We're just going to eat meat, and or we're just going to eat rather vegetables and, and no sweets and things of that nature. And, of course, you know, the Bible says that at the end of that season, they looked healthier than all of the other king's men. You know, you know I got to thinking about this, and I began to think about this culture of how the enemy was trying to um, convert them into being such worldly young men. And I had some hope because... These young men had determined in their hearts not to defile themselves with the world's way. I hope this morning that in this generation of young people that we have coming up, they'll have the same standards, the same holy heart to follow after God, to say, I will not compromise my faith. I will not compromise my values. I don't have to look like the world. I don't have to talk like the world. I don't have to drink like the world. Come on. I don't have to do what the world does. I will not defile myself. In Babylon. Babylon was a godless culture. Counterculture to the ways of God. It's a lot like our culture today. Once you to know something. That there was a time in America. Where you asked people if they were a Christian. And they proudly said yes. Do you know that today in our society. That is no longer a popular thing. To say you're a Christian. Especially not in the northern hemisphere of our continent. Uh, people look at you sideways, they, they mock you, they revile you, and it's easy when the pressure comes on to want to compromise our convictions. But friends, let me tell you something. When the heat is on, we have to hold fast our conviction. I know it's tough. I know it hurts. I know people laugh and scoff and mock, but let me tell you that it is better to stand for Jesus than to fall for the world. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They were taken, started into the assimilation process. And I began to look at this. There were three things that I picked out of here that I want to share with you. Number one, they were persecuted. They were persecuted. We've got to ask ourselves the question, why were they persecuted? It's very simple. They were persecuted because of who they served they were persecuted because of who they served you see the the god that they worshiped the god of abraham isaac and jacob that god required loyalty 
required loyalty. You see, in Babylon, it was not uncommon to have lots of different gods. Statue after statue and, and, and relic after relic. But there was a problem for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. You see, they remembered the law of Moses that was recorded in the book of Exodus. It says, your God is a jealous God. And no other God you shall have before him. And so because of their standards, they were not allowed the freedoms they were persecuted. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had had esteemed himself so high that he thought he was God. He formed a big statue of himself. The people were told they had to worship him. They had to bow down if they heard the, the, the flute or the lyre or the harp. Whenever that music began to go forth, they had to drop whatever they were doing and bow down and worship the image of King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was so wicked that he said that whoever doesn't do this, he said, I'm going to kill them. They were persecuted. They were told that they couldn't pray. They were told that if they were caught praying, they had been imprisoned and possibly killed, persecuted for their faith. They refused to bow to the culture of false gods. Folks, let me tell you something. Today, persecution in America at this point in our life doesn't necessarily look like the beheadings or the things of that nature that we see in some more primitive cultures. But make no mistake about it, we live in a culture where there is a form of persecution among Christians. You don't believe me? Try to be a Christian actor in Hollywood. Cancel culture. Cancel a person's record deals. Cancel their contracts. Cancel everything because they sign up, they stand up and speak the name of Jesus. In those moments, they have, a, they have a decision to make. Do I compromise my values or do I stand up for the one who has saved my soul? It's insane to me. The number of Christian artists who sat through the display of debauchery at the Grammy Awards as they celebrated Satan and emulated rituals on the platform. Nobody got up and said anything about it. But they went home with their little statue. Looks pretty on my shelf. But nobody stood up and said anything. Sure, they got up and said, I thank God, but even the wicked people do that. I'm not trying to shame anybody today. I'm telling you, church, the world is watching. The world is watching how we handle pressure. And if you are going to serve Jesus in these days, there's going to be difficult times. And I applaud these four Hebrew boys that decided that they would not allow themselves to be conformed or molded into the image of Babylon, but they chose to maintain their integrity. They refused to bow 
to the culture and worship false gods. You, you, you need to know something. It would have been easy. It would have been justifiable. You know the old saying, when in Rome, you do like the Romans. It doesn't hurt to get involved. I mean, God won't mind. I mean, he doesn't want us to be beaten. He doesn't want us to be in prison, so we'll just go along with it. But that's not what they did. Let me tell you something. It infuriated Nebuchadnezzar. He determined to make a public example out of all of them. So they told his guards, he said, the fiery furnace. He said, I want you to go and I want you to heat it up seven times hotter than normal. So they turned it up one, two, three, all the way to seven. They were ordered to recant. I'm going to give you one last time to change your mind about this. And I want you to know what they did. Looking that fire in the face, these young men said, we know our God will deliver us. But I want you to notice the next statement. Now this statement that they made was not a statement of unbelief. Yet it was a statement of fact. They said, we know that our God will deliver us. But we need you to know something, Nebuchadnezzar. Even if he doesn't, we still won't bow to you. Oh, come on, somebody. Even if he doesn't, we still won't bow to you. That's the kind of tenacity that we need in our faith. Face to when we look at people in the eye who are trying to tear us down and trying to get us to compromise our convictions. They can threaten us with lies. They can threaten our reputations. They can threaten to harm our families. They can threaten all types of things. But at the end of the day, we've got to have faith and confidence in a God who will deliver us. But we also need to be so firm in our faith to say, you know what? Even if God doesn't do it, I'm still not bowing to you. He said, okay. Final answer. So they bound them up. They were in their clothes, their tunics, their robes, all of that stuff. They opened it up. They threw them down in there. They fell down on their face in the fire. The Bible says that fire was so hot that it burned even the ones who cast them into it because of the flame that were jumping. It's a terrible thing. See, I need you to know this morning that not only were they persecuted, but number two, they, they, were, they were protected. They were protected. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had their minds made up. They said, we will not bend our faith and we will not bow to your image. And that infuriated the king. Oh, he was filled with, with anger and rage and he wanted to do anything he can to harm them. And so he cranked that fire up and he threw them in. But here's what you need to know. Though Nebuchadnezzar had a plan to destroy them, Though they did not bend and they did not bow, 
they also did not burn. (laughs) They didn't burn in the fire. See, what was meant to destroy them didn't destroy them. In fact, it goes a little bit further. The people who were out to destroy them ended up getting destroyed in the process. Don't you know that when you refuse to bow to the culture, when you refuse to bow to the plans of the enemy, if you'll just hold fast your faith, hold fast your integrity, the very trap that other people set for you, they will be caught in their own traps. Amen. The the Bible says God is our vindicator. And I love what they said. Even Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow to you. You got to understand Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fire and imagined how he felt. And he called his men together and he said, Hey, 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 come here, come here. Didn't we cast three men into the fire? Did you guys get happy and find an extra? They said, no, we we only cast three into the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, well, look. I see four men loose walking in the fire. And the fourth one, his form, his figure is likened into the Son of God. Now you got to understand something. This gives us some reality of the Scripture. See, because many people think Jesus showed up in the womb of Mary. But the Bible says that He was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. The Bible says before God even spoke anything in the beginning was the Word. (laughs) And, And listen, these boys had such a faith that Jesus showed up early. Showed up early. He said, I see four men walking, but there's another in the fire. He's likened into the Son of God. So they brought them out. Their eyebrows weren't singed. Their garments were not destroyed. I like this next part. The Bible says they came out without even the smell of smoke on their garments. I don't know if you've ever been in an environment where you've burnt the toast or you burnt the bacon or you've been in around some things that have burned. You know that 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 smell traps in your clothes and it's hard to get away from. But the Bible says that these Hebrew boys, when they got in that fire, they weren't even touched with the smell of smoke. It was such a testimony. The testimony. To all of those who are watching. I love it. Because what we see. Is that when we go through the fires of life. God gets in the fire with us. 
Church, He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He gets into the furnaces of our life, those things that are meant to destroy us, those things that are meant to bring us down. He brings Himself with us in the fires of life. And He says, if I don't deliver you from it, my child, I'll deliver you through it. You just hold fast. I will be there every step of the way. And I love the fact that because they wouldn't bend and because they wouldn't bow, not only did they not burn but Jesus got in the middle of it with them they were protected without even the smell smoke they weren't just protected the last thing we see in the story is they were promoted they were Nebuchadnezzar ended up singing a different song after this story. At first it was worship me, worship me, don't worship anybody but me. But when he saw the steadfast conviction of these men of God, when he saw the protective hand of God in the middle of this fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges the fact The God that they serve is real. The God that they serve is with them. I want to read verse 28 of our text. It's where we stopped because I want to read the rest of the passage. It says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel. Now I need you to understand that the word angel, if you have a, a good Bible translation at all, it's capitalized. Because oftentimes, the angel of the Lord is, is a phrase used for the pre-incarnate Christ. See, Jesus showed up several times in the Old Testament. And I could show those to you later. It says, God sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. For they have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Now notice this, verse 29. Therefore, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their house shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. His testimony was that there is no God who can deliver like our God. Do you know something? Oftentimes we wonder, I'm getting ready to close. Oftentimes we wonder, God, how come? You don't deliver us from the fire. Why is it that sometimes you choose to deliver us through the fire? And I believe I have a simple answer this morning. It's because the fire is not just about you. See, your trouble is not just about you. 
You know, when we're going through difficulties, when we're going through hard times, we get so isolated and our vision becomes so tunnel vision-ish that all we can see is us and all we can see is our problem. All we can see is what we're going through and poor me and poor this and poor that. But the truth is, sometimes the fire is not about you. Sometimes the fire is about Nebuchadnezzar. Sometimes it's because God uses things to get glory out of it so that other people will proclaim his name. So he takes them and he says, Anybody who talks mess against your God, now listen, I'm not saying he was right for doing this, but you know, it's in the book, so. Anybody who talks against the God of heaven, we're going to chop them up and we're going to do bad things to them. Now that was like mafia, you know, style or something. But it's amazing how his song changed so quick. But when Nebuchadnezzar saw the faithfulness of God in the fire, the Bible says he promoted them. And I feel like I have a word from the Lord for somebody today. On the, on, on the side of every fire you go through, if you go through it correctly, there's promotion. There's promotion. See, God never wastes difficulties. Never. He doesn't send them, but He doesn't waste them either. You got you to understand that when you go through it, God's going to use it. And they were promoted to the fact to where can't nobody talk about our God. Do you know when you go through a certain circumstance or situation and people look at your life and they say, man, that fire should have destroyed them. That, that divorce should have destroyed them. That, that, that foreclosure should have destroyed them. That moral failure should have destroyed them. That, that those circumstances in their life should have destroyed them. And the adversaries prepared a fire for you. But if you make a choice, no matter what happens to me, I'm not going to bow and I'm not going to bend. I know God is going to, but even if he doesn't, devil, I'm not going to let you put that bug in my ear. I'm going to keep serving God, and I'm going to keep being faithful. Because listen, even if he doesn't get me out of the fire, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to serve him. I want everybody to stand up with me this morning.